Every month, we offer exciting new webinars for our community. Topics include how to use retirement accounts to buy real estate overseas, how to get a second passport in Latin America, why you should sell your stock portfolio and move your money offshore, how to buy beachfront rental properties in Brazil for less than $100,000, or apartments in Paraguay for less than $60,000. If you want to join us for free for these presentations with live Q&A, insider secrets, and exclusive opportunities with my professional network of experts, then go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for free upcoming presentations. expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe, and this is the Expat Money Show. Today, what I want to do for you guys is do a best of episode. And I thought it would be pretty fun or pretty funny to do a best of rants episode for all of you, because there were several times where I went on a complete tangent on the show, because a lot of things really pissed me off this year. Now, In general, I had a fantastic year. Company's doing good. Family is doing excellent. I am a happy person. I got to travel lots. But the world is a complete mess. And it pisses me off. You know, it really legitimately pisses me off. And a lot of people still don't understand what's going on. And in this episode, we tried to find some of those clips where, you know, I go on a bit of a tangent. So I hope that this is interesting for you. We picked a variety of different ones, not just one type of theme or one type of idea. But in between the interviews, if I went on a bit of a rant, we tried to dig that out and we thought we'd share it with you. Now, what I'm going to be doing in between the clips is letting you know which episode and and hopefully you'll have a chance to go back and listen to some of these episodes because there's some really, really excellent ones in this list. And I hope you guys have a chance to go back and listen to all of them. But before we jump into the episode, first and foremost, Merry Christmas. I hope you guys have had a wonderful holiday season. We got New Year's coming up real soon as well. And I hope you guys are going to have a ton of fun for New Year's. I'm not going anywhere this year for Christmas or for New Year's. We're actually going to be staying in Panama for the whole holidays. And I hopefully will not be moving until I think second week of January. I am headed back to Turkey one more time or at least one more time to deal with the stuff that you guys probably remember from previous episodes. But we should be on the tail end of that and should be finalizing things. So that's a quick update for you guys. And then I have a ton of other trips that I'm planning for 2024. I've got a bunch of trips that I'll be taking hub members and private clients to, which is going to be awesome. We've got the birthday party coming up. That's March 9th. You guys can grab tickets. There's This is a general invitation for any of my subscribers. If you guys want to come to Panama and hang out and meet a bunch of other like-minded people, then on March 9th, we're going to be doing my 41st birthday. Last year here in Panama, we had about 150 people fly in from, I think, 30 different countries, 28 different countries, something like that. 
I expect this year to be as big, maybe even bigger. We had so much fun last year. It was just really ridiculous. I put out a video actually about it. So if you guys want, you can check that out at expatmoneyshow.com forward slash YouTube and go and search for that video to get an idea. But if you guys want to join us, you can grab a ticket at expatmoney.com. Go to the header menu, the top of the website. You'll see events and then there's a drop down on there and go to the birthday bash and pick up a ticket. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. We would love to see you and count this as an invitation for you. But that's it. Yeah, let's jump into the episode today. And we're going to be starting off on a clip from episode 237 with Jonathan Lockwood. And we're going to be talking about actual forgiveness. You know, I think that we started out on a bit of a light note and forgiveness about everything that people thought and went through and understood or didn't understand during the time of COVID and masks and mandates and vaccines and all of these types of things. Let's roll it. Yeah, one of the biggest messages that we have on on this program and in, in my work in general is really about community. We are trying to help people and bring them in. If you look at a lot of other people in this industry, they'll point fingers at you and say, you know, how did you not realize this earlier? Or you're stupid for still doing this, where you're still doing these things, then you're bad, wrong, and evil. And actually, that's the opposite message of what I'm trying to do. Mine is, hey, if you didn't know before and now you do know, forgive yourself because we all make mistakes and we do the best we can with the information we have at hand at that time. It happens in in every aspect. And as someone is awakening or, or becoming more aware of how the world actually works and peeling back the curtain, you can't punish yourself. You can't punish your family members or your friends or anything like that. Everybody is on their own journey through these types of things. And it's not for me or you or literally anyone else out there to shame or make someone feel bad about it. You try to support them and help them and be there for them when they want to talk about things. But it should never be a a instance where you pile on or make them feel worse about it. Right. I agree. And that there is some parallel to that with my cult experience. I remember coming to the conclusion, I used to say, I don't see the point in condemning a person who will figure out in two weeks what I figured out two weeks ago, just to boil it down, you know? For sure, for sure. And then imagine someone that was two weeks ahead of you or a couple of months ahead of you now pointing their finger or waving their finger in your face because you didn't get it at the same time they got it. That doesn't really do us anybody any good. You know, I think that as a whole, after 23 years of traveling, what I have seen is that people are inherently good. We are more or less the same in our capacity for love and compassion and warmth. There is a very small, small, minuscule minority of people who have seized control who are not like us. These are sociopaths, you know, but that's not the general public. With this divisiveness, they want to to make it seem like the other side of the aisle, all of them are evil. That's just not a realistic view as well. And I have actually seen a lot of hardcore Democrats now looking at this and going, hey, this is why we were on the left and this is what we supported. But actually, there's a whole bunch of stuff in here that is getting piled on and and, and we don't agree with this part. So we might not be over here, but we're, we're something else. So that's why I always kind of think of libertarianism small letter L, not large, not capital L, but, you know, is the best from the left and the best from the right. It's really all about freedom, social freedoms and economic freedoms. I think that that's what we need to be looking at. 
Sounds good to me, Mikkel. In this next clip, I'm talking with Johnny Hoddle in episode 245, and I go into libertarianism and what it means to me. Now, we're also getting into a bit of the Stockholm Syndrome that people seem to have with their government, which drives me bonkers. I've had to describe libertarianism many times on many different conversations. And one way that I like to describe it is libertarians are very far left on social freedoms. I don't care who you sleep with or what you want to smoke or anything like that. I don't care whatsoever. It's none of my business. So you do you and that's amazing. So I absolutely applaud the left for this. And on the right-hand side, the right is supposed to be very much about economic freedoms, smaller government and less taxes and more pro-business. Absolutely. I fully support. I think that entrepreneurship is definitely the path forwards. So I like to take the best of the left and the best of the right. The problem with both of these political ideologies is they're both growing government. They've both gone off the deep end on certain things. And there's nothing that looks at things with clear vision and understands through a moral compass of what are the difference of right and wrong is. I want all the social freedoms in the world and I want all the economic freedoms in the world. I want it all, you know, and I don't think that we should settle for any of it. Now you had said vote with your wallet, but what you've actually done in your life and I've done in my life and I encourage a lot of other people is the Milton Freeman vote with your feet. If you don't like the situation, peacefully remove yourself. And that's what this program is about. This whole program, my podcast, my work, my blog, the newsletter, everything like that is about freedom. And it is about finding freedom in wherever you're going to be able to find it, in all aspects of your life. In 23 years of traveling the world and visiting over 100 countries, being an expat and the offshore markets is absolutely hands down the best solution I have ever found. Protesting, that ain't going to do shit. Advocacy for different things and writing your congressman, that's not going to work. None of that is going to work. You need to get yourselves out of this abusive relationship you have with your government. Go somewhere else that you can be peaceful and live your life. And like you had said, try to inspire others. You don't need to force. It doesn't need to be done via violence. It doesn't have to be divisiveness and name calling and anything like this. Try to help and try to inspire. I think that absolutely this is the best way to do it because I've said it a thousand times on this program, but it's worth repeating one more time. As far as anyone, Johnny, anyone can convince me in the world, we have one life to live, one, and that's it. So you might as well make the most out of it. Do what you're going to do. As long as you're not violating other people's freedoms, then go out there, enjoy yourself, find freedom wherever you can. I don't think it's going to be in Canada. I don't think it's going to be in the US. I don't think it's going to be in the UK. It's going to be down here in Latin America or maybe other little enclaves. In this next clip with Ernie Baca from episode 249, we're talking about safety in Latin America and what I do to make sure that we're staying safe in this country and how it falls under personal responsibility. Another one of those values that so many people misunderstand. No, those are all very important points. And then to circle back just to, on the Uber Black, what I've done, and this is just a quick tip for people, is you can actually set a family plan. So my mother, my wife, and me are all on a family plan. And then I've set it up so that we get an email automatically when one of the cars picks someone up. And I've built a folder on my email. And so every single time, every single trip, I have it logged. So we know who the driver was, the license plate, where it was picked up, and where it was dropped off. And then it, it shares. So I get a notification on my 
for my wife when she goes to the supermarket and comes back. And she, when I go out for a business lunch, she gets a notification on her phone and same with my mother. So that way we kind of always are looking out for one another and we know what would happen if someone doesn't show up or is supposed to be somewhere and they're not there. It's like, well, where was the last place? With the taxis and you're paying cash, although I, I do love cash and I think cash is a great thing, I think that it's a lot more difficult to track these types of things and to pre- protect yourself in some random car that you've just, because it's yellow, you've jumped inside it and you think that that is trustworthy. So obviously everything is going to have give and take and you know we have privacy concerns and security concerns and we have to balance these types of things what someone feels comfortable with. But it's also important to try to stack these things in your life. My example before, and, and thank you for calling me on it, is that I live in a very safe neighborhood, but I don't live in a very safe neighborhood and then I'm like, that's it. And then be arrogant about it and not do anything else. You have to do everything in a row. You want to try to stack one thing on top of the next thing, on top of the next thing, on top of the next thing. I have great situational awareness. When I get out of a car, I'm walking around. Before I pull out my keys and things like that, I will have a look around. Before I get out of an Uber Black at night, I have my keys in my hand ready to go. And the security is right there. And I give them a wave and everything like that. And so when we're even going from the car into the building, the security, I've made eye contact with him. He knows we're coming in everything like that. And it's does not, I'm not a paranoid person. I, this doesn't negatively affect my life or make me feel like I'm unsafe. Actually, I think that this is just falls in the category of personal responsibility. I think that you have to look after yourself, whether you're in Panama where I am today, and I would generally consider Panama to be a quite a safe place, certainly compared to some other countries in Latin America. I feel safe here. But if you're in Mexico and we've lived in Brazil and we've lived in many of these types of countries, I would do things like this when I lived in Abu Dhabi in the UAE, which is probably regarded as the most safe country in the world. I'd still have situational awareness about it. And I can tell you, there are many places back home in Canada, many places in the United States that are a whole heck of a lot less safe than some of the countries that I've lived in around the world. In this clip in episode 251 with Anthony Samaroff, we're talking about morals and ethics and how people are getting so distracted from what really, really matters. Well, this does tie into our little interim conversation about ethics and morality. I think that a lot of people who understand that a lot of this was BS is because they put it through their own mental models that they've built up throughout their lives. And they do know the difference between right and wrong. And I think that as someone who understand, who is freedom-minded, kind of holds everybody to the same standards. Like the standards that I hold myself to are the standards that I hold my relationships to and people in my family and who I choose as my friends, as well as the companies that I deal with. And I also believe this this crazy, crazy thought that governments should be held to the same morals as everybody else. I don't see any difference between the individual, the company or corporation, or the government. I think that these natural laws that we discussed before are important on all levels. So that if you do have to have a conversation about these things, it should go back to a conversation about morals and ethics, the difference between right and wrong, opposed to the latest statistic or who quoted what or what Anthony Fauci said on a broadcast. Like, I don't care about any of that kind of stuff. I'm not going to spend my day trying to memorize this stuff. It doesn't matter to me. What matters is understanding how to be a good person and then using that as the filter for my life. And I'm not a perfect 
person. I am not holier than thou. I make a thousand and one mistakes, but every day I try to do better than I did yesterday. And I have conscious thought about it where I'm always trying to improve myself and get more clear with myself. So true. In this clip in episode 252 with Tom Luongo, episode Spit in the Eye of the Globalists, Tom and I are talking about supporting projects that support freedom and supporting people that support freedom and having a responsibility to do this. Don't just complain about things, but actually put your money where your mouth is. Help people who are trying to help others in this space, okay? Responsibility is something that I feel very, very strong with my audience. The people who are listening to this program, Tom, are people who are thinking about living overseas or moving overseas, you know? Mm -hmm. A lot of people are already, but there's probably five times as much who are are listening to this and are thinking about it. So there's a massive amount of responsibility. This is this is my my people's lives. So I take that very, very seriously. This is something that it can be 11 o'clock at night and something will need to be done or I'll remember a client that I need to respond to. And I will jump out of bed and in my pajamas, sit there and write an email to him at 11, 11.30 at night. And it's less like it's an ongoing thing around the clock. Even I go on vacation with my wife. We live down here in Central America, but we'll go out to the Caribbean for a week and I'll still be all day long dealing with emails and answering questions and responding in the best timely fashion that I can. And my clients who are listening to this will recognize this. Like I have gotten a thousand times from people like, wow, thanks for responding, you know, with a, not a canned response, but like a well thought out response. I take the time because I really care about these people. And I think to go back to your originally point, when you look at some of these newsletters and info type of business, where it's just someone emotionally manipulating you with the marketing to get you into the business. And then maybe, maybe not actually providing or really having that level of depth and caring. I think with the big companies, I think that it's really tough to provide that. But as an entrepreneur like you are and like I am, this is our lives. Like we're real guys and we feel responsibility that we need to do this. And I think it's important to support people like this instead of the big conglomerates all the time. In this clip, episode 253 with Dave DeCamp from antiwar.com, we're talking about perspective and how mainstream media is really subverting a lot of these things and not giving the news, as in objective viewpoints of what is actually happening and how things are meant to just confuse you and only show you one side of the story. Well, with China, I mean, my wife is from China. My kids speak Chinese. My parents, my mother and father-in-law come here to Panama for months on end. And we own properties in China. And I've spoke to her family about many of these issues. Like A lot of people don't understand actually the history of Taiwan. And they just kind of think that it's always been its own country. Actually, it's a lot more complicated than that. And it actually has to go back to previous world wars we've had and the government of China actually abandoning the people and relocating to Taipei. And so there's a lot of mistrust and a lot of betrayal that is in the feeling of the government there. And there was a certain time where they were saying they were the rightful government of China, not in Beijing. So there's pieces of the puzzle that so many people don't understand because they haven't taken the time to look at the history. And it's the same thing with Ukraine. I mean, this is not, was a peaceful country and there was no problems. And all of a sudden, one day, just crazy Putin decides he's going to cross the border. It's like, no, there's many things that have led up to this over generations. 
And I'm not justifying any of this. I'm just saying that we have to actually look at the realities of the situation and try to understand things from other people's perspective. If there's anything that being an expat will teach you, it is to look at the world in other people's viewpoints. I've been traveling extensively for my entire life. And I don't think just as a Canadian or just as a a North American, I'm always trying to see like, why are they doing this? But mainstream media is always going to paint things only in one direction. It is pure propaganda. It is crafted in a way. They have psychologists and psychiatrists who help them to figure out these things and keywords. And it's, it is not the news. The news should be unbiased. None of this stuff is unbiased, actually, which is a good plug for why you guys should actually check out your work, Dave, because you actually are very upfront about what type of perspective and what type of lens you're putting all of your news out through. It's through a non-interventionist lens. You know, you know where if someone listens to it, what do they want out of this? Well, they want no war. I think it's pretty clear and it's pretty to on point with all of the work that you do. In this clip, episode 255 on CBI Shitstorm News, we're talking about what's happening with the European Union coming down on citizenship by investment programs and closing a lot of their borders with the ETAS. Now, this has been pushed back. It was supposed to be coming out in 2024. We'll see long-term what happens with this. Hopefully, they can roll it all back and we can keep things open. But honestly, the direction of the world right now is a lot of doors are being closed, a lot of windows are being closed, and programs are disappearing. Walls are going up everywhere. And I really encourage people to sort out immigration stuff sooner rather than later. You may have seen the headlines where Canada, New Zealand, the United States, and a whole host of other countries are going to be losing visa-free access to the European Union. This is insane. They're rolling out in 2024 what's called ETAS, E-T-I-A-S, and it's going to be an electronic visa system where you have to pre-approve to be able to go over there. They say it's going to be very fast and they say it's going to be very cheap, but any type of program where you have to ask permission in advance is a visa. I don't care what they say. So Canada, US, New Zealand, and a whole host of other countries are going to be losing visa-free access to the Schengen zone. What is going on in the world right now? We've gone on from having connections everywhere in the world to borders and walls going up everywhere. I just find the whole thing shocking. Then two days ago, as of the recording of this episode, St. Keats has come forward and said that they're doubling the minimum investment for all applicants of their CBI program. So a single applicant was down to 125,000 US dollars. They have now doubled it to $250,000 for a single applicant to get citizenship by investment in St. Keats. Now, an applicant with a spouse was at $150,000, now it's at $300,000. So this is a massive jump. And when you add on to that legal fees and application fees and government fees and due diligence fees and all of these types of things, I bet when the dust settles, you can probably expect it to be around $400,000, dollars $420,000 for a family. That is a solid chunk of change. Now, you might remember back in February that I offered to take a group of my clients through the process for St. Keats. And we did. We had 12 families that came through with me and all of our applications are in. I even did my own. I did my St. Keats citizenship by investment. And as I said, we are probably about 30 days, 35 days away from hopefully receiving our citizenship. 
Now, as far as my understanding goes, for everybody who already put their citizenship application in, this should not change the price point whatsoever. But if your application was not filed by the time this went forwards, then that is going to be a massive problem, and I think that you are going to be SOL, to be honest. All of these changes come with a response to the EU coming down hard on the CBI countries. They lay down a set of guidelines or parameters that these countries will have to follow. The principles are sixfold, and I'm going to try to go through them as fast as possible, and I am quoting the Associate Times who published this information. So number one, enhanced due diligence on CBI applicants. The principle of enhanced due diligence refers to a more comprehensive and detailed scrutiny process to be conducted on all applicants of the CBI programs. This process is aimed at mitigating risk related to fraud, money laundering, and other illicit activities. It involves the in-depth examination of applicants' background, financial dealings, and overall credibility. According to the EU's Commission's guidelines, the thorough examination should be conducted by third-party due diligence firms of high repute based in the EU, US, or UK. Not sure exactly why they can only be put forth in those countries. What's wrong with the other 190 countries in the world? Anyways, the requirements for these firms to be reputable and third-party ensures that an unbiased, unprofessional, and rigorous assessment, thereby enhancing the integrity and security of the CBI programs. So since when is the US, UK, or EU unbiased? That's a little bit silly, but okay, let's continue. And this clip with Sam Ravello in episode 240, we're talking about the excuses that people make for not learning a language. But honestly, you can use these excuses that people have for so many things in life. And really, it absolutely drives me nuts. You know, I want people to take responsibility for themselves. I want people to understand that you can do anything in the world that you want to do. As long as it is honest and ethical, as long as you're not hurting anybody else, then you guys can go out there and do these types of things. Honestly, I am not special. Really, I am not special whatsoever. I've traveled the world and learned these languages and done all of these types of things because I put the time, energy, and effort into it. That is the big thing. Now, if you guys want to do this stuff, you can do it as well. In this instance, we're talking about language learning. Yeah, there's... Not many things in life as humbling as trying to learn a new language. You can absolutely be killing it in business. You can have done all this crazy stuff in your life and you sit down to learn a language and you're like a child again, just fumbling through it. And it is a very humbling experience. I absolutely agree with you. And to your point of having to put the time in, Definitely. Like I get so many of my clients every day who are like, oh, I don't have the knack for it or I don't have the gene or it's not in my blood. This is not how language learning works. You have to put time into it. Yeah. It is a measurable amount of time and there's there's things you need to do and and it's probably a lot more time than you would have ever expected. But if you can do it, you know, you learn the couple of techniques and skills and, and processes, you have a good program or, or a system in place that works for you. But then it's just massive amounts of input. It's just massive amounts of time that you need to spend with the language. Yeah, I think for a lot of us in all areas of our life, we want to get good first and then practice what we're good at. And like languages, like everything, it works the other way around. The more you can just, just stumble around until you can walk and walk around until you can run, like you really need to go through that. You learn so much more rapidly 
by putting yourself in situations where you have to learn the language. So socializing with locals and socialize with locals who don't know your language because you do find sure. in friendships and in romance, you end up speaking whatever your common best language is. So seeking out new people in your life that don't know English or their English is very basic, you know, that really helps you be able to use it as a practice. And sometimes people have this type of fear, like if they make a mistake in this type of thing, like someone is going to hate them or it's going to be dire consequences. Actually, people are really patient and they get pretty quickly that you don't speak the language. And so we'll be very understanding to go through these things with you. And this is not a life or death situation in pretty much any of the cases. Like I've, I've never seen where it's a life or death. So yeah, if you can put yourself into situations which are going to challenge you, that's how you're going to grow as a human being. If you only do easy things in your life all day long, well, I would argue you're probably not going to be a very interesting person. You know, it's these types of challenges that make us grow and make us go through these things. And that's definitely language learning and definitely with travel. Like to your points earlier on thinking that it's a vacation and trying to live your life as a vacation opposed to travel. Like I have learned patience so thoroughly. Like sometimes I think like it's karma. I was put back on planet earth to learn patience. And for that, I was given travel because, oh my God, I've traveled pretty extensively throughout Africa where you are right now. And it's like, you really have to have some serious patience in place. Otherwise your head will just explode. In this clip, episode 260, Zen and the Art of Individual Sovereignty with Lawrence Eastman, I probably could have actually put the entire episode because Lawrence and I got along really, really well and we just went on an absolute massive rant during this episode about what's going on in the world with governments and all of these different countries. Now, in this clip, what we're going to be talking about is some of the technocrats and the globalists and what is going through their brain. These are really disturbed individuals and we just went nuts in this clip. Enjoy. <laughs> the name of the game going forwards is finding inept, stupid, and impotent governments and living there. I don't want to be in a country <laughs> that controls and tracks and spies on and has absolute power. And whether they got that absolute power through democracy, which I think is a complete farce anyways, or they seized it, the end result is they still have absolute power. So I would rather be in a country where they just don't have that level of power. And honestly, they don't care. They're in there for four years. They're very open about it. They're going to go in. They're going to steal and be corrupt and get everything they can. They're going to completely rinse it. And then they're going to go out and then they're done. I mean, then it's like retirement and they're just going to drink nice wine and sit on their yacht and enjoy their lives. And, and they're not going to be in the spotlight anymore. They're not going to cause any problems. It's the sociopaths that are really like they get off on power. Like, I think it's like this, like, like this sick, I don't know, sexual type of thing on power that really excites them, enforcing it on other people, which is such a bizarre concept. Like even saying it, like I don't, I can see it, I can recognize it, but I don't understand it because I just don't have that in me. It's never been in me. And I think in almost every person in the world, it's just not in them. But the people that are in power, especially in these large police state Western countries, it's there. Like it's just fully there. Well, the system filters for those people to rise to the top so that they can watch each other's backs because these people are, are twisted and demented and psychologically flawed at best. 
Yeah, there may be something much weirder and darker going on behind the scenes that we can't even see. But at best, they are just psychological demons. But like you said, what we have to do is to stay one step ahead of this technological onslaught by going backwards in time, <laughs> going back 100%. to pla- places where they're not going to be enforcing any 5G rollouts with drones and all the other stuff for at least 20, 30 years. And who knows what can happen in that period. So that's what I'm doing is I'm trying to go back in time where there's less chance of them being able to roll this out. Because that's another thing is that up until this point in history, at least in the West, they need consent because it's almost impossible for them to enforce these crazy rules and regulations because they don't have enough state agents to be able to do it. So what they do is it's far cheaper to manipulate you psychologically to get you to consent to do it. So they don't need the police in the first place. But as more and more people wake up, it becomes harder and harder for these fruitcakes to enforce these crazy laws upon you. Now, with this technological revolution that we're on the cusp of is that that's what it promises these psychopaths is that they'll have robots which will be able to enforce these laws for them anywhere within their jurisdiction. And that's the difference, I think, between the past and that it'll become harder, or that's what they're threatening. It will become harder for dissidents or people who are awake or people who are aware of what's going on to navigate their way through the traps and the mines that are being set by these people in power. That's why they're trying to take away cash, because cash is the last private resource that we can use to trade amongst ourselves without the state being involved, even though we know they're involved because they can inflate and deflate the currency, but at least we have the opportunity to trade in private. I think that's what they're trying to head towards is this dystopian hellscape where they can enforce all of these rules and regulations where normally most of them would just be enforced voluntarily by a group of people who were happy to take the Dunkin' Donuts in the first place, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I live in Panama and I've had people who have read random news headings in Panama saying this, saying that, like WEF is coming to Panama. It's like, okay, so a couple of quick ones. I had a private client who was here last week to get their immigration and she was a little bit worried about this stuff. And then she went through the immigration process and they made her sit there and wait while they went and got her file. They have to go down to the basement They have to open a box and they have to pull out a like cream colored envelope with her documents in it, you know, and they're like everybody's walking around, passing around folders and paper copies of everything. I like that, you know, like this is like, let's go back to the 1980s or something. And, you know, this is a good system. I I like this very much. And then the other one was when I first arrived to Panama and I opened my first bank account here, I went up to the teller. This was only like four years ago, four four or five years ago. I went up to the teller to deposit cash and she had a calculator with a roll (laughs) of paper on it and she manually (laughs) typed it in. And that was the receipt, was this paper receipt from a manual typewriter or manual calculator. That's how my banking was done. I was like, amazing. I'm home. You know, this is, this is what I want. I want to go backwards in time. In this clip from episode 258 with Max Borders, we're talking about the long shot odds of governments actually reforming themselves, specifically Western countries realizing what they're doing and actually going back to normal. Well, on your point about reform and 
pain, the government feeling pain. I had breakfast with a potential client maybe two or three weeks ago, Canadian who was down here in Panama to visit me. We sat down for an hour and we're talking about the exit and how this happens. So two points I want to make about this. Number one is that the tax base in Canada of productive people, these are business owners, entrepreneurs, highly paid professionals, are fleeing the country in droves. I work with a very small tax law firm in Canada, and they do all my deemed dispositions for my clients, and they sign off on all of the strategies that we do. Just last year, they had over a billion dollars of capital flight. And I mean, this is a couple-person law firm. This is not one of the big law firms or multinational law firms. You know, over a billion dollars worth of capital flight from Canada. And when we take clients go through the exit, the gentleman I was sitting with was asking me, how many of these cases are challenged by the CRA? And I said, pretty much none. I mean, none of them. Because my perspective is that they want conservatives and libertarian people out of the country. And they don't care how you leave, but they want you gone. And so it's not a it's not a question of, you know, are they going to feel the pain? Is this tax base going to slip away from them? Are they going to lose their money and, and, you know, what's feeding their coffers? They want you all gone. It's war. And the faster you go, the happier they will be. And that's why I think a place like Canada, we're going to see massive amounts of not just capital flight, which I'm describing right now, but human flight of essential resources and skills and educated people to perform tasks. I think that we're going to see a massive hole in the economy in a place like Canada. And that's a scary thought. I grew up and I liked my country very much and it was a beautiful place and I had a great childhood and was outdoors and enjoyed the weather and there's lots of really nice people there. But the Canadian federal government, once again, as we were talking about federal governments, is disgusting and they're evil and they hate you. So my point is that reform and are they going to change and things like this, I would say no. In this last clip, episode 271 that we recently did, I'm talking about my adventures of going to and coming from the Liberty in Our Lifetime conference. Now, this is trying to come into Cuba and trying to get out of Cuba and really what it is like at immigration going into a communist country in 2023. And really just how shocking it is that people still think that communism is going to work and that ideas like this are helping anybody in the world is just absolutely mind-boggling. So I come off the aircraft and I'm heading to passport control because I have a separate ticket now. I no longer have a multi-sector ticket. So now I actually have to grab my bags because usually your bags are just checked onwards and I was just going to go through quickly. But now I need to do a health declaration. And I was like, what is it? Like 2021, I have to do a COVID health declaration. It's not paper. It has to be done on your phone. And I'm like, okay. So I try to make my international SIM card work and it will not work in Cuba no matter what. I'm trying, trying, trying. And By the time I arrive at this health declaration, I'm like the first person there because I'm always the first person off the aircraft. I hate waiting and I'm super fast. But by the time I actually figure out how to get into the internet with their local provider, I had to find someone that was going to help me. They logged me in. There must be about 300, 400 people behind me. I was like, holy moly. So it takes about 15 minutes or so to fill this out. I show that to them. Now they let me up to immigration. 
But we get up to passport control and they want a visa for me to enter Cuba. I'm like, Canadians don't need a visa to Cuba. He's like, yes, they do. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, you need a visa. I'm totally surprised. Like, who knew that Canadians were going to need a visa? This is one of the biggest tourist destinations. So I end up basically arguing with him. Like, I, I don't suggest arguing with immigration or police officers or these types of people, but I don't know what else to do. So I explain the whole situation now of what I just went through in Istanbul and how this happened. I had to get a new sector and I'm only here for a couple of hours or for half a day. And then I'm going on to Panama and I show him my sedula, my residency card in Panama and all of these types of things. And he's just looking at me and he's finally like, all right, just go, just go. Like he just gives up. Now, thank God I speak Spanish. Otherwise, I would have absolutely been screwed at this point because there's no way I would have found someone who spoke English there. So I had to basically argue with him for 15 minutes in Spanish to get through immigration. And the funny thing was he didn't even stamp my passport. He's just like, he just kind of threw his hands up in the air and he's like, fine just go. He gave me the passport back. He didn't stamp it. And I just went through. I'm like, all right, I'm not arguing anymore. I just went. By this point, now we need to do a security check. And if I had been allowed in at the first, it would have been super easy and straight through. But now I'm like in the middle of 300 Cubans coming home. I don't know what flight had landed, but probably... I don't know, something from the US. So it was all these Cubans coming through and there's just security everywhere. You actually have to do not just your bags, like this is not like a customs check. You actually have to take your belt off and your watch off and your phone and everything like that. Now, this is not to get on an airplane. This is to enter the country, okay? This is to get off of the airplane. We've already entered the country through immigration. I'm not going back in. So this is a completely separate one. But anyways, I get through that, I collect the bag, I use the restroom before grabbing my bag, and it was just vile. But anyways, so I grab my bag and then I go through customs. Now the bag had been sitting there because it took me so long to go through all this process. The, the belt had actually stopped moving. You know you've been taking a long time when the belt is no longer moving and you're the last person to go through. But I go through customs, green line, and then there's another woman who wants to check there and she wants to see the paperwork and not sure what this is for. So we just kind of like blunder my way through it. But finally we get that one. Then I talk to another woman. Then there's another woman who wants to check my bags. She doesn't explain what hers is for. And then there's another woman who wants to see the boarding card and a baggage check and to see if the bags were with mine. So finally, after all of these checks, immigration and custom and baggage and security and then baggage again and then baggage again and then this, it was like six different people I had to go through to get into Cuba. I was like, holy mother of God, I'm here for a few hours. I just want to buy some cigars and then leave, please. So after I did all of this, I turned around and I went back into the airport. By this point, I've already wasted so much time. So now I need to go to check in for my next flight. So I have to go through security and immigration and customs and all of these things again, but now to leave Cuba. Now, when I go to leave, I don't have this special paper that I guess is provided by the hotel. I'm not exactly sure what it was because, I mean, my Spanish is quite good, but I didn't quite understand it. But they wanted some paper from my hotel where I had been staying, and I tried to explain to them, I haven't been staying. I just got off an airplane. I had to collect my bag. I'm only here for a half a day. And so, and then they want to see the stamp in my passport, which the guy didn't give me 
from before. So then I have to explain to the immigration about all of that. So I'm at Customs and Immigration, all of this for I don't know how long again. But finally, I go through, I am now airside again, and I go straight to the cigar shop because I'm actually in tomorrow morning flying to Uruguay. I'll talk about this in a minute, but I'm flying to Uruguay and I'm going to be meeting some friends of mine like Doug Casey and a bunch of other people. And I promised them that I would bring them some cigars. So I decided to actually do my flight home. Instead of going direct, I thought I would go straight into Cuba and buy cigars directly for them. So I went in. The woman there was amazing. She was actually super, super sweet. She helped me for probably about half an hour, go through the different ones because Doug really likes to smoke Cohiba Esplandidos, and they didn't have them. So we were trying to go back and forth, like what other kinds are very similar? What about this type of Cohiba? Or what about Monte Cristos? What about Romeo and Julietas? What about these different ones? So she's talking to me about the flavors and everything. But I end up buying, I don't know, well over $1,000 worth of cigars there in Cuba, and then wait for my flight to take off. There you have it, episode 277, In the Bag, Best of Mikkel's Rants. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. We had a lot of fun putting it together for you. Which clips did we miss? What were your favorite episodes from 2023? And what do you guys want to hear more of in 2024? You know, we're leading into a new year. We're going to be doing a ton of new content. So many exciting things happening at expatmoney.com. We would love to hear from you guys. So if you guys want to start a thread at the Expat Money Forum, If you go to expatmoneyforum.com, we can start one in there. Give us some feedback. What were the best episodes of 2023? What do you want to hear more of? What is most interesting to you? I also want to make sure that you guys are signed up for EMS Pulse. That is our newsletter, our main newsletter. And also make sure that you guys are signed up to Expat Sunday Times, which is our Sunday newsletter that goes out with a bunch of the best news and clips and highlights and content that we do at Expat Money during the week. You can sign up for both of those together when you put in your name and email address on the front page of expatmoney.com. You're going to see right at the very, very top on there at expatmoney.com a special report that you're going to be able to download. And from there, you will automatically be subscribed to the newsletters and they will be delivered to your email inbox every single week. It's going to keep you guys up to date in 2024. We're putting a ton of work into these newsletters this year and the response that we're getting from people is fantastic. So that's it. I hope you guys had a wonderful holiday season. We will catch you guys real soon next Wednesday, 6 a.m. for episode 278 of the Expat Money Show. Thanks so much. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. I have managed to secure exclusive rights to a block of villas in one of the hottest up-and-coming regions in my current home country, Panama. Join me Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for our special presentation called Investors Workshop, capitalizing on the globally recognized resort brand coming to Panama. We will discuss how the tourism landscape in this region will change rapidly upon the public announcement of this project and how I have secured the rights for my clients to capitalize on this opportunity before anyone else. Thanks to my connections in the region, I have negotiated pricing that front runs everyone else. Think early, early bird pricing. 
From gourmet restaurants to vibrant clubs, poolside activities, and even live bands, this resort is going to pump some serious life into the region. But this isn't what excites me or what should excite you either. The exciting part is that these world-class amenities and top brand will attract tens of thousands of tourists. Tourists who will fork over top dollar to stay at our investment properties. Register free at expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for this free real estate workshop. See you on May 4th at 10 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern time, go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinar.